listening to We Watch Movies. I'm Ava. And I'm Jenna. And we watch movies. So this week we watched Cherry, which is a movie. Uh, it's an app. <laughs> of course it's a movie. It's an Apple original film um, directed by the Russo brothers. It is an adaptation of the book Cherry by Nico Walker. Um, it's about this guy who goes to war and then he comes back and he has PTSD and he becomes a drug addict and and yeah so that's that's the gist of it um Jenna what were your initial reactions um at times it would be hard to watch and it's not a movie that I necessarily like I enjoyed it, but not all of the time. But it definitely doesn't deserve a 37% on Rotten Tomatoes. Yeah, literally, I feel like people just wanted to not like it. Because it's not a bad movie. I mean, it's not perfect. Um, <laughs> so I, I watched it um, three times. Uh, <laughs> for research. Well, the, fir- the first one was because I was excited because it aired on Apple TV. And I was like, oh my god, this is the day. This is Cherry Day. So I watched it, and I was really excited about it. And then um, the second time was the day after that, um, when I watched it with my mom and my sister. Because um, we, were, we were planning on doing that anyways, but I couldn't wait for the first month. And then the third time was just research purposes yesterday. Um, so that it would be fresh in my mind for you guys. There's absolutely no ulterior motive for me watching this film three times. Um, just pure dedication to this podcast. And Okay, Ava. <laughs> well, I think definitely there are parts that are difficult to watch, and I think that's definitely intentional. Um, it's not like they're bad scenes yeah. that are just bad because they are accidentally bad. It's like... Like there are mo- there are moments that are gory or uncomfortable, but I remember one of the main things that um, the filmmakers were trying to do when they made this. They were very adamant that they didn't want to glamorize or romanticize addiction, um, which is like you know there have been cri- I I haven't seen Euphoria, so I can't comment on it. But there have been people who have criticized that for glamorizing addiction, and then then a lot of times with um. 13 reasons why people are saying that romanticizes suicide and everything and so they were very adamant that they were not trying to do that and I definitely think they succeeded oh Um, yeah they did (laughs) yeah um uh, one of the things that I noticed a lot of um critics commenting on for this movie was they said that um they said that the casting was bad which I I strongly disagree with um (laughs) Um, well, they were so. One of the comments I saw was that they miscast Tom Holland because Tom Holland looks too friendly. And I have a lot of issues with that comment because I feel like the character is not supposed to look like a mean person. You know, you're supposed to sympathize with him. And especially at the beginning, he's supposed to look like a, a nice, a nice guy. And everything, and and then here they are, and like the critics are saying, "Oh, Tom Holland looks too nice to play a bank robber." 
And I mean, even in the even in the movie, they're like, oh, my face is um, like I need to act like I'm crazy because my face has a lot of sadness. And so if I don't act crazy, they'll think I'm weak or something. Like that's literally something that they said in the film. And so I, I, I don't know. I don't think it's a valid criticism to claim that Tom Holland looks too nice for this character. And yeah, I think like, that, yeah. So much oh. of this movie is kind of like a descent for him, almost. Mm-hmm. Because I'm not like saying he was like perfect when the movie started, but it's like there, there's a far cry from being like a troubled college student to being like a drug addicted bank robber by the end of it. So, like, I feel like in another reality, if different decisions had been made, Cherry would have been a different person. So, like, it it doesn't matter what you look like, you can still be capable of doing other things. Yeah, and I I think overall, in this film, the acting was really, really good. Like, I don't- I didn't feel- like there was any hamminess to it. I didn't feel like it didn't feel fake, I guess. And it was moving at a lot of parts. I don't know if you disagree or not cuz some people didn't think it was good acting. I thought it was great acting. Um I, I don't know, what did you think? Was Emily the name of like the girlfriend? Yes. Like, so sometimes I couldn't tell especially in the beginning when they were both in college still if her character was supposed to come off as like slightly emotionless or if that was the acting and i mean it didn't really matter because it worked for the character but it was just it was a little weird it got better as the movie went on um i think there's there's a lot about the emily character where she like self-sabotages when things get good and she has a lot of walls up like you can tell that um like, like she talks about how she has the abandonment issues with her, like, dad, and how she was abused as a kid and stuff. And, you know, when, when, um, Nico, I believe his name is, they never say his name, which is kind of weird, but, um, it's a semi-autobiographical uh, book by Nico Walker. So, Nico, I guess. Um, he, when he tells Emily that he loves her, and she just kind of looks at him and goes, thank you. Like, that's the first part where you know that, like, there's a lot going on with her. And then, and like, you can see that her walls are up and she's not gonna be vulnerable for him. And then immediately the first thing she does is run away. Um, so, you know, things are getting good for her, finally, and she's running away. And I feel like that's something that a lot of people do in the world, and that was kind of a very realistic thing. Um, I feel like if she was coming across as emotionless in the beginning it's probably just because her walls were very high and then later on i felt like you know she was either numb or she was having like a panic attack so (laughs) yeah no i'm not saying like there was definitely like no reason it was just like i don't know like sometimes it didn't feel like an intentional thing but that could have just been Mm. me because i mean i don't act what what do i know and i'm looking at the wikipedia and i think they like they don't call the main character by his name throughout the whole movie, but Wikipedia refers to him as Cherry. Mm. Okay, I, I don't know, because I'm I'm actually, I, I purchased a book, you guys. Um, I purchased Cherry, and it's coming like, tomorrow or something, because oh. I wanted to read it. So, um, we'll see what he goes by in the book. Um, yeah, I don't know, because I've seen interviews about this movie, and the actors have referred to him as both Nico and Cherry, so... Um, 
<laughs> the main, the protagonist. Let's <laughs> we'll just call him that. The protagonist. We can just call um, him Tom Holland, right? That that's not weird. <laughs> well, um, I guess we can. I I mean, it's just kind of weird saying, oh, and then Tom Holland gets addicted to heroin and starts yeah. robbing banks. <laughs> yeah, um, maybe not. <laughs> yeah, but no, this. I, this so the first time I don't know if it was just because I was like shooketh because this was Tom Holland and he wasn't being Spider-Man um, so I don't know if it was because of that or if it, it was like actually getting to me but I got like like emo like I felt emotional at, at least like three different points in the movie but like the whole thing is very intense you know so it's not there there were some places that were like oh it's I think one of the headlines was said that it was a miserable watching experience. I'm like, no, like what? It's it's a it's depressing and it's very intense and there's very little reprieve, but it's that's kind of on purpose <laughs> and not every movie can be happy. So like, hmm. Yeah, like the only time I was miserable when it was like really like hammering like and i appreciated that they did this because like as you brought up before like the that they didn't want to glamorize like addiction mm -hmm. but i also <laughs> really really don't like when people throw up in movies it's a thing <laughs> it's my thing i, ju I just yeah. i'm sorry i i know that there was a purpose and i can appreciate that purpose in art but i'm sorry did you have to do it that much yeah, so <laughs> I know you have an issue with that. I do. I, I shouldn't bring it up every time it happens, but it keeps happening. Um, I think the part that made me uncomfortable was both the scene when he like had to shove somebody's intestines back inside of his body, and then also the scene where he took like he had the needle and he was he was really going through it because Emily was in the hospital, and he was like he had his like breakdown in the car and he started stabbing himself with a needle like that was intense and it was so it it, it made me feel pain watching that part and i was like how could uh, and it just i mean just just knowing that there are parts that make us so like there are parts that give us such like a, a I don't know if visceral would be the word I, I don't know I what visceral means um, <laughs> but like such a visceral reaction just watching a scene in a movie can show you how vivid they make it and and how they really like they're highlighting all the down points and they're showing these emotional moments with the characters I'm really showing you like if you're reacting to just seeing that what do you think the character is going through and I don't know I feel like that made me like connect more with the story that was being told. I don't know. Yeah, I mean, th this movie definitely like, is intense with the things it does portray on screen, and it doesn't shy away from anything. It tends to just go for it, which is a, a double-bladed sword, because some people will look at it and they'll say, like, wow, I'm glad you went for it, and it like, really like gets the emotions, but then other people are like, that might be like a bit too much and it, like it's a fine line to walk and like I, I don't know I'm never really one to be able to like tell when something goes too far unless it 100% goes too far and I don't mm. think this movie did that but like I don't know maybe there were some parts where they could have dialed it back and it still would have had an effect I'm not really sure but it definitely like 
goes there at times. Yeah, well, there's certainly no way in heck I'm ever joining the army now. Well, actually, no, I didn't have plans on joining the army. Um, but if I if, if they ever make women get drafted and I get drafted to the army, I will certainly have a panic attack because of this movie. Um, <laughs> the conversation, is... we had an A-push about if women have to go into the draft. Yeah, my friends were like, oh, let's get matching, um, let's get matching prosthetics and cut off each other's legs. <laughs> I am a feminist until we go to war. <laughs> then patriarchy take the lead. <laughs> oh my god. Um, no, but it just, like, that, that part where his friends were all, like, murdered and stuff, and that was just really sad. And... You know, it, it like if he was he was hanging on, and then and then that happened. That was pretty, pretty wild, you know. Yeah, because if anything, that kind of like marked like a turning point for him as a character. Because like as you said, he was hanging on, and then when it kind of like cuts to him going home, that's when he mm -hmm. first starts like addressing the audience directly on screen. Which, the only time we had ever really seen him do that was when he he was robbing the bank that we learn is in the epilogue of the movie. Yeah. So, like, that kind of, like, shows how, like, after that, his, like, kind of, like, sense of reality almost is kind of warped. The whole breaking the fourth wall thing, I thought that they pulled it off. I know it's, like, an acquired taste or whatever, because some people really don't like that and some people do. Um, I don't like it a lot of times, but I feel like it was better than just doing straight narration or something throughout the whole thing, you know? Yeah, I, when the movie opened with that, like, first bank robbing scene, and, like, Tom Holland is, like, directly talking to the audience, and they're doing all the things with the lighting, I was so into it. And then I was kind of mad that the movie, like, never really kind of, like, hit that same moment for me. Mm -hmm. Because I know that, like, fourth wall breaking, too, is a very acquired taste. But this movie, how they introduced it, I, I thought it was, like, really great. But then they, like, and I'm not saying they should have, like, overdone it. But I feel like they could have done it a little more. <laughs> because, like, that was the thing that, like, I was super impressed with that I thought was really great. Like, I was, go I was kind of... Maybe going to like just rewatch the opening of this movie again before we started this, but then I got distracted. Mm -hmm. But I, I don't know. I thought that that was done really well. Yeah, I mean, there's there's a lot of moments in the movie. Like, there's some moments when he talks to the screen, um, but there's there's a lot of moments when he'll like look at the camera. But he that that talking he does it like three times throughout the movie, and I wish he did it more because I think that makes it so unique and it was it was effective. I think. Um, in returning to the whole idea of this is a in it's an autobiography and it's telling his story and he's talking to us and that was that was i think kind of helpful and i thought that was cool and i liked it and i wish they did it more um because like <laughs> but there were times <laughs> like there was this one time when um pills like was driving and he was like yeah you're a junkie with PTSD, and then um, the main character he just looks at the camera and he's like, <laughs> just has this like look on his face. I thought that was funny. Um, it it wasn't like I don't know if it was hilarious per se, but it was like kind of like, oh yeah, pills is stupid. I agree with you, sir. Um, 
It kind of made Stuff you like feel that. like a part of the movie. It kind of like grabbed yeah. your attention because like instead of you just being a passive person involved with the story, it kind of pulls you into it and like it makes you feel complicit almost and you don't know why. But the main character like just keeps talking to you and you're like, uh, what do you want me to do about it? Yeah, th he doesn't talk to you at all when he's like serving time in prison, which I get it. That's more of a montage at the end, but like, I wish there was more from him at the end. I guess, cause I mean, we see him get sober and everything, and it's a really satisfying ending. I thought, um, just just from the moment where he he gives that money to Black, and then he goes out into the um into the road and just turns himself in. I feel like the ending was really satisfying and it shows like it shows kind of that that redemption that light at the end of the tunnel for people who are going through this kind of stuff it's like it, like once you've once you've hit rock bottom there like I mean it's gonna be difficult but you can make your way back um, and I really liked the ending I just I kind of wish that we could that, that he could be like hey hey guys this is nice I don't know. <laughs> Yeah, I mean, well, not I not like that exactly. He opened with a monologue. I feel like mm -hmm. he should close it with one. Yeah, because like there there was no dialogue in the ending. Um, I mean, they had that they had the symmetry between when he came home from war versus when he got out of prison. It's very very similar in how they shot it and how he looks over at Emily and then she smiles and he smiles. Um, so that part is very symmetrical, except um. It just, it doesn't have, I don't know, I feel like it It doesn't have the same impact as the very opening did. But it was still very impactful, it's just a different impact. Yeah, so I've been trying to think of, like, why maybe that was done the way it was, like, thematically. And the only thing I could, like, maybe think of was there was this recurring idea that passed between, like, Cherry and Emily of having, like, a noise in their head and how they kind of just want it all to stop and watching it it kind of made sense that like cherry isn't saying anything and it's like just like the music at the end and like there's no one else around but him and emily it's kind of like mm -hmm. he maybe found that quiet and there's nothing going through his head in that moment he can just be there i don't know that's not the strongest thing i've ever come up with but oh well I don't know, I just feel like, I mean, like I said, it was it was still impactful, it was just kind of a different impact, because the very beginning, like, even, like, it's it's a monologue, it's just him. He's the only character that, like, matters, and it's really opening up, it's his story. And that's, like, kind of how the rest of it is, I mean, there's obviously parts with Emily and everything, but really, it's his story. And, um, and, and you know, at the end having having the um the symmetry rather than um being sim like rather than reflecting the beginning it's reflecting his reun um his reunion sorry with emily it makes it more of a like the ending is resolved like it's it's the ending it's about them as a couple rather than him as a character which, I mean, both are completely valid storylines in the movie, and I think definitely both of them deserve to get resolved. I just feel like there could have been... I, I just wanted more of, like, his inner thoughts and stuff as a character. 
at the end, which you, you probably get some of that in the book. Like I said, I haven't read it yet. Um, and obviously the montage is all of him, but you don't really get his thoughts. You don't like see what he thinks and feels every day as he's getting better. And then, I don't know. I feel like the thoughts of the couple are kind of self-explanatory there. But I, I just feel like we could have gotten more of a solo resolution as well, in addition to their couple resolution. Yeah, because I mean, throughout that like uh, montage at the end, there were definitely moments where we could have gotten a thought or two from Cherry. I think it would have been like, like there were definitely like opportunities because there's one point where like the camera is just like slowly sliding through different parts of the prison compound and it gets to like Cherry sitting on a bench listening to music and then like the music kind of stops for a second and like I kind of thought that he would like look at the camera and say something but then the camera just kind of pauses there and then it just moves back on and then we get Cherry with a funky little mu mustache and that's about <laughs> it. Yeah, I, I think I think that would have been a perfect place to get some thoughts from him because like at that point he's almost sober or, or decently sober. I don't know how long that is away from when he got put in because because when he first gets taken to prison, you know, he's seizing on the ground and throwing up blood, which um, there's actually a funny story behind that scene. I'll tell you later. Um, do I want to know? <laughs> Yeah, I think you do. Oh. It's it's not. <laughs> um, yeah, but th that's like that's like obviously a very um, upsetting thing to see. Like this character that you've been rooting for, for better or worse, that you've been rooting for throughout the whole movie, is really going through it. But you know that it's all for the best because he's gonna get better, and you know there, that's it's the only way that he can get better at this point. So. I don't know. That was pretty. I, I feel like there was there was a lot of intense moments that could have been highlighted more in the prison sequence. Yeah. Can I ask a weird question? Yes. This is kind of off topic. Mhm. Mm so did you notice ha the the names of the banks they were? Robbing? Oh yes. Oh my god, I love that. <laughs> um, it was it was even in when he first enlisted the um. The guy he was talking to was named Sergeant Whomever, and I feel like that was that was such a good little bit of of sort of reminding you that we're in this character's head, anyways. They they did a lot. They had a lot of um, there was a lot of filmmaking choices like that, and then the the titles of the banks like Capitalist One <laughs> or Credit None, like all of these things were really cool. And then then they had the, obviously the care that character's name, and then. And then there were like these other moments like the bank teller or everything like their faces would be blacked out until he's like actually robbing them And that's the first time where the faces are unblacked out and then there's like all this other stuff like how they represent his drug trips and 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 how they how he did basic training how they made him look like a child at one point because he was like Oh, it feels like we're doing make-believe and stuff. There were all these things like on watching it so many times you could pick up on all these different places where the filmmakers were like, oh my god, this would get our point across. And it's just so subtle. And it's so cool. And it's like every time I was watching this over and over again, I saw another place where the filmmakers like decided to do something. Whether it was in the background or just in the ambiance or something. And it was really cool. Yeah, because I remember I was watching the movie and like... I knew that like the subtitles called like pills and coke, pil like pills coke or pills and coke. The subtitles were like a little inconsistent mm -hmm. sometimes with like names, but that's okay. But 
I and I was like, hmm, that's a thing. But I was like, I, I didn't think too much about it, but then like I'm watching it and they're sitting outside a bank and I look at the name of the bank and I can't even say it on this because it's a swear. And I'm like, okay, wait a minute now. And then like I start noticing all of these things and I'm like, oh, that's a thing. Yeah, I mean, I think that there was clearly a ton of thought put into this. Um, and I don't know, uh, I mean, most of that was probably just the Russo brothers being the Russo brothers because they're awesome. Um, I stan, I stan. We all know this, I stan. Um, but yeah, so th there was also, um, what else did they do? They did something else that was really cool. Um, what else? Oh yeah, there was that scene. Okay, that scene in the theater made me so uncomfortable because I felt Emily's embarrassment when when that happened and I, I felt like you could feel it in the, in your core just how embarrassed she was but then when he went into the bathroom and had a panic attack and you could like in the um mirror he's staring back at himself with like shame and disgust and then he punches the mirror and like that's that's super powerful I thought because it's just showing him how how you know, it's kind of that physical embodiment of those thoughts that he was talking about. Like, maybe if I had died in Iraq, she would have been happier. You know, all this stuff. It's like, it's your fault that Emily's not happy. It's your fault. You are worthless. And he has a lot of those thoughts throughout the whole film. And I feel like that was just a really good way of just personifying those thoughts. Yeah, and I remember, like, as soon as he ducked down and, like, I realized that they were doing like the reflection in the mirror is different than the person you're actually watching. I was like, okay, we are really going with this now. And then like he punches it and like, first of all, I felt pain. And then I, there's the silhouette in the background that like flinches back. And like, I love how you can't see like anything at all of that person. They're just a silhouette because like, yeah. I feel like the audience can kind of like put themselves into that person's shoes almost I don't know that, that's a weird thing to kind of be thinking about in a scene like that but like I don't yeah know. They, they do that a lot with characters that like like they do that where they make characters just silhouettes like they did that with the bank tellers at the beginning before he starts robbing them and then they become human to him and then also when he's in the hospital the policeman and the nurse that's talking to him they're just silhouettes and they they don't really become human to them and then i think that's part of him like being numb to his surroundings in that scenario and not like it's it's those moments when he's not thinking about the person that he's interacting with or the other people around him they just are like silhouettes to him and then like when he when he recognizes that human in front of him and how that's a person it's a living breathing human with their own life and their fear and whatever that's when they aren't silhouettes to him and i thought that was really interesting because i've never seen that done in a movie before i've never seen people do something like that yeah i love stuff like that because like again with this opening scene that like i don't know i i i, I thought it was really great but first we had everything with like cherry talking right to the camera but then it did all of these great things with the lighting and especially like the silhouettes and i was like okay i'm sold and it also acts as like a good overture to the rest of your movie 
because they introduce is a lot of like these things that they're doing like technically that also like play into different themes and messages that they're trying to portray to the audience so while like you have your prologue that introduces the story i feel like that bank robbing scene is the one that kind of acts like the overture to like a lot of the things that they're going to do yeah and and they they, they mess around with like lighting a lot too like they do that in the overture it feels like he has a spotlight on him and 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 there's a spotlight on him and Vanessa, the bank teller, at the beginning. And then they also do that in other places, too. Like, there's this part when you remember when Emily, like, this is at the beginning of the dope life section. Um, Emily asks for her eggs on toast like a sandwich. And then the, when she leaves, they show that sandwich untouched with a used needle on top of it. And they put it under a spotlight. And it's really interesting because it's like... She's, it's showing, it's showing that the heroine is taking precedent over, like, breakfast. <laughs> so it's like how she's putting that as a necessity before other things. And I feel like that was really effective, too. And I feel like that kind of went unnoticed. Because I know that when I was watching it with um, my family, nobody really commented on that part, so. Yeah, and uh, th there were so many things, like, I remember I, I texted you partway through. It, it was probably in like the dope life section, I'm thinking. I don't know. It was probably a little after they do like their whole thing where they throw up a couple of times. And I was like, <laughs> Ava, how have you watched this movie like three times? I was like, I, I won't be able to watch, even think about watching this movie for like a week. But then I finished it and I was like, I kind of want to watch it again just to see all the things I noticed. Oh my God. It's just, it has so much replay value. And it's also like, it its message is really good too because it's yeah it's not glamorizing addiction and it's drawing attention to the opioid crisis and it's showing how you know war messes you up and stuff and it's it's highlighting all of these these issues in the world and how like the system's broken in a lot of ways and it's showing like the, the just a lot of things that people need to talk about and so the more you watch it the better you are as a person you're a better human if you watch this movie <laughs> you know i'm definitely glad i watched it on your insistence <laughs> yeah um last week i'm like oh okay guys i'll tell you if sentinel or cherry is better if i can try to steer the conversation of the next podcast episode to relate to cherry and well um as you can see <laughs> i definitely steered the conversation to relate to cherry this week. <laughs> so um go me i'm pretty cool um i really didn't want to watch yesterday guys <laughs> um, and this this is better than Sentinel, so don't watch Sentinel because this is better. You want to see like a story of a soldier with PTSD and addiction and stuff? That's this movie, not not Sentinel. Sentinel's lame. You don't need to watch it. Boo! Don't look at the <laughs> Rotten Tomatoes, guys. Don't do it. Yeah, because didn't Sentinel do really well on Rotten Tomatoes or like? Decent? Yeah, I got like a seventy-one percent last I looked at it. What was it? Ew, why? <laughs> uh, but like... Oh, it has a 63 now, but... Okay, well, yeah. Cherry had 40 the other day. And it's just like, people keep ranking this low. And, and see, the thing, I, I've noticed a lot of critics being harsh on things. 
Um, and I feel like that's just because, you know, as like as a critic, it's easier to find things that are wrong with something than to praise it. At least in my opinion, it the longer you think about something, the more you find problems with it, and the more you start to dislike it. Because if you pick something apart too much, you start finding all the little kinks and the problems and anywhere that it could have been better. And obviously nothing's going to be perfect, but like, if, if you find- uh, the more you think about it, the more kinks you find, and the more kinks you find, the more your brain starts to think that you don't like the movie. And so for somebody who's sitting down and trying to write an article that'll first of all catch people's eye, like with a- with a- um, with, with, with a headline like, Tom Holland's miscasting in Cherry, or Cherry is a miserable viewing experience, or something like that, like, people are gonna watch it. It was just like, right, Cherry was a pretty good movie with some flaws, but it was good. Nobody's gonna click on that. Um, or the- some people will, because they just want to watch a, or read a review, but like, more people are gonna click on the outrageous stuff, and so you want to put more flair into your piece, and you want to just- dig into the movie and the more you do that the more you dislike it and the easier it is to criticize it and i feel like that's kind of where some when some of these movies are more like i don't know i i i just i just feel like it's easier to be mean about a movie or just any work of art that sometimes when movies try to be something really different like this has a lot of different stuff going on they don't see in a lot of movies it probably it, that probably kind of hurt its case a little bit. Obviously, that's not all of it. And people are entitled to their opinion. But, yeah. <laughs> you know what this kind of makes me think of? Hmm? I was watching an hour-long video today about Ratatouille. Yeah. And it talked about the critic uh, article at the end of it. And, like, yeah. the, the idea of, like, critiquing things. And saying that they're bad just because you can. Because it's not really taking a risk to say something is bad. But it's more of a risk to, like, talk about, like, an underdog. And, I mean, I'm also not saying that, like, if you don't like something, that doesn't mean you should critique it and say that it's bad. But I don't know. I feel like... I th There was, like, an article going around about WandaVision about how, like, one of the directors or something was, like, already apologizing, like, a couple days before the finale came out about how it ended. And it really just made me think about how, like, so much of, like, the media we consume has a culture around it that kind of, like, builds up these expectations and, like, theorizing. And that's all, like, fun and great. And I mean, like, yeah, film theory or whatever. <laughs> but, like, we, we also, like, make these expectations... And we take it out on the people that make the thing that we're consuming when they don't happen. And, like, I, I, I lost my train of thought here, but it's just interesting because, like, Ava, you had these big expectations for this movie. And the Rotten Tomatoes score came out initially. And you were like, oh, well, that's interesting. I'm paraphrasing here if you couldn't tell. <laughs> but, like, at the end of the day, like, it still seems like you had a good experience with this movie. But then, like, me, who had no idea what this movie was and had no expectation, I knew what the score was, and I went into it, and I had a really great time, too. So, it's interesting just, like, the things that we can, like, still enjoy and the things that we don't, and how... 
so much of like we're exposed to that has nothing to do with the movie shapes everything that we think about the movie of yeah like i so when i went to the theater like not last week but the week before um i saw chaos walking and they had it at like a i don't remember like a 20 something percent or whatever um and i was worried about it but I feel like part of the re- and, and then I came out and I was like, oh my god, the critics were so harsh. And I feel like a part of that is because they expected it to be bad and they had that confirmation bias because, you know, it had to go through so many delays and there were problems in production and everything and they had to do a ton of reshoots and it was deemed unreleasable at one point and stuff and all this thing and all these things. And then people are like, oh, it's going to suck. And then they go see it and they're like, oh yeah, it totally sucked. But also like, first of all, you're not the demographic probably. Um, because <laughs> it's for, like, young adults, like, that's where the book is from, and then you have, like, these, um, I, I actually, know I don't know who was critiquing it, but I feel like some of the critics were probably not the target demographic, but also, like, they were commenting on stupid stuff, like, they were like, oh, the special effects that appear around their head were unforgivable, which, like, no, they were not, first of all, um, but just, they, they, they were very harsh on this one movie, and I feel like there was a lot of confirmation bias that went into that, and they just didn't want to like it. And that's another situation in which, like, I feel like there was just a good movie that got treated kind of harshly. Yeah, like, I know that there are a lot of times, like, I, I mean, all of my examples would be with books that, like, books get, like, really, really hyped up, and then you read them, and you're like, I mean, it was good. I, I don't understand why everyone's talking about it. and But it's disappointing because, like, then you start to wonder, like, what would I think of this thing if I lived in a bubble and I didn't know anything about it? So, I don't know. That's something that I find interesting. Yeah, I don't know. It just... Regardless, if if you see a movie that you want to see, or <laughs> if if you're gonna watch a movie and there's it's coming out and you're like excited about it and the critics say it sucks, that's not necessarily a reason not to watch it. And it's always good to make your own opinions on things because you know it, it, you can never tell. Ta- like a lot of times, like also there's that sort of hive mentality, I guess, or mob mentality. Where, you know, people will start saying that this movie's bad and then you'll have confirmation bias. You'll expect it to be bad. You'll go in. It'll be bad to you. And then you tell other people that it's bad. Um, so just regardless of what the Rotten Tomatoes score is or regardless of what people are saying around you, just try to keep an open mind. If you want to see a movie, see it. If you want to enjoy it, enjoy it. Um, I'd make your own opinions about things because... You, you definitely don't need to agree with us. You don't need to agree with some random person from the LA Times. <laughs> um, uh, you don't have to agree with uh, some other YouTuber on the cha- like on the internet. <laughs> That's a word. Um, and you don't need to agree with even your friends or your family. If you like a movie, or if you don't like a movie, that's completely your opinion. And, um, we'll still love you. (laughs) Yeah, I don't know how this conversation turned into one that we could probably bring to Malcolm for Malcolm and Murray, but I don't know, I guess we did it. (laughs) Okay. But do you want to hear the funny story about that one scene in the jail? 
I don't think I really have a choice, Ava. Okay, so <laughs> I was like before this um, movie came out because it was I wanted to see it when my parents were like, yeah, you can go to the movie theater because it was supposed to come out in movies or in theaters. Sorry. Um, it didn't come out anywhere near me, though. Apparently it was select theaters or something. Um, so I had to wait until it came out on Apple TV. But I was reading a lot about it, and I was, look, like, watching interviews and stuff. And in and, and one interview, Tom Holland was like, Oh, there was this one day, we're shooting this scene where I'm, like, in a jail cell, and I'm seizing and throwing up blood. And I decided to send a video of that to my mom. <laughs> and say this is how today is going and naturally she was very upset <laughs> um and he was like yeah that probably wasn't my my wisest move um because he was talking about how like how his, his parents like to go to see his movies and they like the moments where they can be like yeah that's my boy but there wasn't really any of those moments in this movie <laughs> Yeah. Yeah. I can see that happening. Hey, mom, look at this video of me seizing and throwing up vomit in a jail cell. What a lad. And I mean, that that wasn't like... That definitely wasn't a tame scene. Like, it was very... It was very upsetting visually. And like, if you're a mother and you see that... It was even worse in the final one because it was in slow motion. Yeah. Worth. <sighs> oh my god, I just I don't know. It's like I, I like finding funny stories about like different scenes in movies and just like thinking about like what goes on when when people make movies and like bloopers and stuff, those are fun. So I know they've been working on this movie for a while because like everything got delayed because of pandemic land. <laughs> yeah, but I, I don't know, it was funny. Oh, I saw that. I watched another one where he was like reacting to scenes from the movie, and um, there's this one part in the movie where he has a British accent, and he said they were. He said like he realized it while he was reacting. He was like, "Oh, that's a British accent," and he was like, "I need to tell them that we need to dub one line," but they never did. Um, it's it's he's on the phone and. Um, it's after all his friends are dead and he's on the phone and Emily's like, are you seeing bad things? And he goes, yeah, a little. <laughs> yeah. Um, and he was like, that's not supposed to be like that. I don't know. That was a very, that was a very good video. If you, if you ever want to watch Tom Holland reacts to Cherry, it's cute. I liked it. <laughs> uh, and you know, I did not know that Sierra Bravo could I well I, I forgot she existed first of all is she I, not not to mention that I was I kind of had reserves about her going into it because I thought she looked like a 14 year old but she kind of does yeah um, yeah that that was definitely a little strange <laughs> but like the the one thing that I know her from is um big time rush I knew it I knew she was a big time rush okay continue um and so I I, I I, I never pictured her in a role like this. Well, I never pictured her at all because I didn't realize who she was until this movie. Um, and then I was like, who is this lady? And I googled her and I was like, Big Time Rush? Wow, this is a step from Big Time Rush. I don't know what she's done in the meantime because I haven't researched her, but I did follow her on Instagram. And, yeah. 
I, I meant to Google if she was in Big Time Rush because I was watching this movie and I was like, oh my god, I know her from something. And then, like, you, you know that Leonardo DiCaprio meme from Once yeah. Upon a Time in Hollywood where he's pointing at yeah. the movie? Th that's what I did when I realized. <laughs> did, so, wait, are you a Big Time Rush stan? Because I barely watched it. Well, I, I watched it when I was younger. I don't think I'm a stan. It would just be on, and I'd be like, guess I'll watch it. <laughs> Guess I'll die. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Same energy. Same energy. <laughs> I I don't know. I I've, I maybe watched like a couple episodes because there was nothing else on. But I was I definitely like I wouldn't have recognized her. I just googled her and it said that she was in Big Time Rush. Yeah, so no. I was like, oh my gosh, wow, child star. We like to see it. <laughs> I know, like probably like right before the pandemic. A friend and I were hanging out, and we didn't know what else to do, so we just went through Netflix looking at what they had, and they had, like, one of the big-time Rush movies from when they're, like, in London or whatever, so, like, we just watched it and just ironically had a good time, but th that's about as much interaction I've had with anything big-time Rush-related in the past, like, seven years. Oh, but so wait, was that, like, seven years ago? <laughs> Well, no, because I don't know when the show was actually on, but um, it, it can't have been less than seven years ago, I'm thinking. There was another guy in this movie who was in, I what is his name? He was in um, Midsummer. I don't remember his name. He's like the third person. Like when you when you click on the movie, it says starring Tom Holland, Sierra Bravo and this guy. Um, his name is... Um, if my phone will load the cast ever, um, That's an I feel like we name. need. <laughs> um, his name is Jack Rayner. Um, he played Pills and Coke. Um, oh my gosh, there was um, that girl from Lab Rats. She played um, Madison Kowalski. <laughs> um, I recognized her. She was barely in it, but she was there. She looks like 10 years older than Sierra Bravo in their pictures on the cast. I'm looking at it now. She looks so much older than her. They're like the yeah, same age, though. so weird because, like, she, like, Sierra Bravo never looked the right age for anything. And then at the end, they, like, did something to her to make her look older, and it just did not work. <laughs> She, she would be really good in, like, a live-action Tim Burton movie. Yeah. Because she, she... I don't know. I feel... Because she has, like, that... You know how Tim Burton characters have, like, round faces and big eyes and then, like, long mm -hmm. legs? Yeah. She would be good in a um, movie like that. Same with, like, Anya Teller-Joy. She would be good in a Tim Burton movie. I don't know where Tim Burton came from, but... Dear now. Oh, my gosh. Um, Jamie Brewer was in this... She is, um, she is in American Horror Story, or was in, in the first couple of seasons. Oh my god, what is her, her name? American Horror Story. In the first season. I can't remember her name. Oh my god. Her character name. This is gonna bug me. Um... 
uh, aggressively Googles. Um, oh, Addie. She plays Addie Langdon. Um, Nan in Coven. So, um, Addie Langdon in the first season. She plays Nan in Coven. Um, she plays, um, uh, Marjorie in Freak Show. Um, yeah, no, she's in a lot of those seasons. She's cool. Um, oh my gosh. Did you notice Tom Holland's brother was in this too? No. Okay, so there were a couple of cameos in this movie. One of them was his brother. He was in that one scene where he finds out about the party at Maggie's house. Which, that one was very... I, I didn't like that scene because for, so, for some reason, the, the delivery of the lines was very like back and forth like kind of dry and yeah. he was just like he was just like dude where are you going and like what are you doing today he's like oh i'm going to this party at this girl at maggie's house and he's like cool can i come and he's like yeah do you want some ecstasy <laughs> um, a regular conversation but yeah that's harry holland and then um joe russo i believe joe russo is the one who has the cameo um he cameoed in the scene um where they were having the party at the bar um he was the owner he 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 likes to cameo in his movies i guess he had a cameo in endgame he played the um the one gay character <laughs> in the support group that was him so so he was in this that was cool oh yeah they, they call the they call the main character cherry um, under Tom Holland's name in the cast, too. So I guess his name is Cherry. Um, that's interesting. This this movie really rocked color red. You know, sometimes, like, I don't really get along with it. But, you know, I appreciated it this go-around. I really, I, I think aesthetically, this movie was very, very good. And it won, I think it got nominated for some award... Um, for something. It wasn't an Oscar or anything. It was like a cinematography association or whatever. And it got like nominated for a cinematography award, which it definitely deserves. I mean, it, it was really yeah. pretty in the way that they filmed it. Um, so that was really nice. And yeah, I don't know. I, I, I want to, I want to watch it more in life, but I don't know if I can watch it anymore in this week. And I have a one week subscription that runs out on Friday. So I need to, um, get, cancel that real quick. <laughs> um, but yeah, so I don't know. I, maybe, maybe one time in the future or probably not just one time, but in the future, hopefully I will watch this movie again. Cause I don't know. I really liked it. I, I thought it was great. Um, obviously not perfect, but I thought it was very different. Very unique. Very special. I highly recommend it. Don't listen to the critics because they're stupid. Um, listen to us instead. But also make your own opinions. But also listen to us. <laughs> listen to us here. Listen to us on Spotify. On YouTube. On Anchor. On pocket cast radio pocket something i should know these uh i just say other platforms and i link them in the description <laughs> yeah you can you if you don't like listening to us on youtube um 
listen to us on any of the podcasts in the description here. But I don't know how you made it this long if you don't listen to us on YouTube. But if you are on YouTube, you can go ahead and like and subscribe. If you're not on YouTube, um, you can probably subscribe on whatever platform you're on. But you can also come on YouTube and like and subscribe if you really love us. Because um, we love you. And yeah. Um, we have uh, we usually upload a episode of this podcast every Wednesday. And then we have a video that comes out every Sunday. Um... So next, this weekend, is Jenna's video. Jenna, do you have any idea what you're doing? Do you want to give us a sneak peek or is it going to be a surprise? Um, I actually have an idea in advance. I've had this idea since like last week, but I haven't done it yet, which is unfortunate for me. But I'm not reviewing another movie. Not again. Like, that's been (laughs) my past two videos. I'm going to take a break from that. And I found a slideshow from earlier in the quarantine where... I listed all of my favorite movies, so I'm having a um, impartial third party put them together in brackets, and I'm going to do a battle of the wills, and I'm going to choose which one I like better of movies Ooh. that are like my favorite movies. So come watch me suffer, I guess. Oh my gosh, you should send me that bracket, and I'll send you mine, and you could react to that at the end. <laughs> <laughs> okay. I don't even know if I've watched all your movies. You probably have, like, some random obscure movie from, like, Finland made in, like, 1927. No, no, I I don't have super eccentric picks yet. It's all, like, the crudes. (laughs) No, no. (laughs) Please tell me you have, like, a better opinion of me than that, Ava. <laughs> okay, guys, and my number one pick has to be <laughs> the crew. <laughs> uh. And I'm very upset because this is my number one pick, but it got snapped for the Oscar. <laughs> <laughs> you know what got snubbed for the Oscars? Ma Rainey's. It's not yeah. in Best Picture. That upsets me. If Chadwick Boseman doesn't win, that's gonna be upsetting too. Um. And yeah, Marini's should be in the best picture thing, but I guess not. Because the Academy decided to be dumb buttholes about it. But Trial of the Chicago 7 is there, and Trial of the Chicago 7 was really good. So we did an episode on that. We also did an episode on Ma Rainey's if you want to go back and watch some old episodes. Um, I'd, I don't know if either of them are on our other platforms, because... I think we started the other platforms at, like, 15 episodes in. Um, So, like, the oldest episode you can watch is, like, We Can Be Heroes, and I'm sorry about that. But you can always... Yeah, I don't think Ma Rainey's (laughs) or Child of Chicago 7, they're both too recent. Yeah. I mean, too old. Yeah. You know what I mean. I got got weak, man. Um, Anyways, guys, I think that's all we have to talk about now. I think we stayed on topic for, like... 37 minutes <laughs> so that was good <laughs> um um anyways yeah that's all that's all we have for you today jenna do you have anything to add you know for a movie called cherry i don't think there were any freaking cherries in this movie but he got it he got his cherry popped <laughs> <laughs> Um, okay, bye!